And how do you pronounce your last name, Mike? Is it Palin? Palin. Yep. Okay. Mike Palin. Right. Not Palin. Nope. Okay. Palin. <laughs> 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 never happened until Sarah came around. <laughs> 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 ruined my life. <laughs> do you consider yourself a maverick of sorts? I'm an adjunct maverick. <laughs> Cheers. Tap Takeover Podcast, episode 29, recorded October 17th, 2017, with Microphone Brewery. Welcome back. We had a good time hanging out with the guys, Mike Palin and his assistant brewers, Mike and Kyle. And it was just a great time. What do you guys think? Yeah, what a great group of guys. I mean, it was fun taking the little trip down to Chicago or Chicago land because they're a little bit outside the city. Yeah, fantastic group of guys. Fantastic beers. We're doing a little live tasting for you guys right now. And uh, what's this first one that we're, uh, we're sipping on, Andy? So we're sipping on Educated Fool. It's a double IPA made with mostly Equinot hops. Equinot uh, is giving it a very earthy undertone to this double IPA. What do you what do you think, Alex? Yeah, very earthy. Very, you know, it's almost on the hazy scale. You know, it's it's got that uh, that unfiltered quality that a lot of the microphone beers have. I feel like feel like most of their IPAs are on the hazy side. Yeah, no, it's great. Is the characteristic of this hop like that spiciness or like it has like a little tingling? Yeah, I think that's the earthiness that Andy was talking about. It's that bite at the back. It's almost end. like a like the pepper type beers but not as intense obviously but mm-hmm. it has a little tingling at the back end yeah and you know it, it leads us back into the the conversation that we had with mike or that we're about to have with mike it's a lot of what he said was we like to use these fresh hops we like to use experimental hops we like to use hops that you guys don't normally hear about and that's really exciting for us for hop lovers you know for ipa lovers that, that's a really exciting statement down a microphone they are doing some outstanding things with with hops i mean it's not just the bean spirit i mean that's what made microphone have a cult following but their ipas are simply outstanding yeah jesus tell us about this second one that we have here it's a it's another ipa it's the uh, the slim hazy yeah it's a slim hazy double dry hop pale ale and it's actually one of my favorite new beers mike was generous enough to give us uh, four of them three of them are already gone sorry you guys but really good beers and it's super juicy just an easy drinking beer it's almost like i wish it was summer right now i almost think well educated fool has got that earthiness you know that that yeah. full-bodied earthiness this one is just yeah it's bright it's juicy oh, it's, it's you're so getting great. like melon flavors and and you know nice citrus and i'm I, i'm right there with you i'm a big fan of the slim hazy it's it's very complex it's weird it's complex but simple well it's a pale ale you know it's not the ipa right so it's not going to be out of this world hoppy like the, the mm-hmm. pale ales tend to be these days but uh yeah it's got a great flavor andy uh any last thoughts on on these two slim hazies it's a traditional apa if you had to pick a favorite uh do you guys have a, a favorite between these two very different styles very different hops you know all that kind of stuff but uh let's pick a favorite well like i said i've have been drinking this slim hazy since we came back from an interview and i just i just love this beer it's so easy drinking it's it's great the other one it's 
it's really good, but I maybe it's that tingling in the back, and I'm not crazy about. But I'm not gonna slam it either. It's just a different taste, you know. It's 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 also great, you know. Something to get used to. Yes, exactly. Andy, how about you? I'd go with the Slim Hazy too. Educated Fool is is pretty good in its own right, but the Slim Hazy just has that. It's a lot smoother. You know, it doesn't have that bite on the back end, which I really like with some IPAs. Yeah, I, I have to agree with you guys. I, I think if it's a if it's a head to head, I'm going with the Slim Hazy on this one. It's just so bright and uh, and so fresh a flavor. So it's a great lead into uh, some of the other IPAs that we're going to be drinking in this episode between the uh, the Super Special Sauce, which is a special release at the time that we recorded this, as well as the DDH IPA ABC BBD, which is one of Mike's favorites. It just rolls off the tongue. Right? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> tongue twister. Not, not, not tough to say at all. But, uh, yeah, it leads right into those beers that we were able to try with Mike and Kyle and Mike. Fantastic episode, and uh, can't wait for you guys to hear it. Enjoy, guys. Let's let's kick it off. Yeah, let's get started. Founded on his two passions of music and beer, owner and head brewer Mike Palin started Microphone to brew truly special beers. Working his way up through the Chicagoland brewing scene, Mike has developed a cult-like status for his IPAs and stouts. We're joined today by Mike and his A-team of brewers, Kyle and Mike. How are you guys doing today? Fantastic. Thank you for asking. Alright, uh, so Mike, tell us about the tap room. We're standing here in the tap room doing a little bit of a live tasting. It's a really cool look that you guys have here. What can our listeners expect uh, walking through the doors for the first time? Yeah, let me rewind a little bit. So when we first got this space, it's a 4,000 square foot space in an industrial park. It's not sexy back here, just a bunch of rectangle buildings with a bunch of big garage doors. and. We set out to use this space strictly just to brew beer, package beer, and then distribute beer. Shortly after we got uh, Rape Beer Best Award, I had talked to Trevor from DeGuard. He's like, dude, you gotta rethink your whole strategy. You really need to have own premise and get your tasting room built out and have it on site. That really flipped our whole plan on, on its head because we had to go back to the city and get approval. We are the first tasting room, first brew pub, whatever you wanna call it, in Elk Grove Village. So we had to get all these ordinances written had to figure out if it's gonna work out with parking, with all this stuff, and then switch up our space. And we could only use 20% of our space to have opened a public retail. So we went back to the drawing board, got all that taken care of, um, kind of switched up our plan a little bit. I'm so happy we did because it's been, it's a treat. I mean, honestly, we didn't know that there was so many avid beer drinkers out here in the suburbs. Um, you know, I brewed in the city for a long time, I lived in the city for a long time. We just wanted to put a brewery that was within a 10 minute drive of our house. And so this was the best place to do it. It's not your traditional place for a brewery, unless you know of like Three Floyds. You know, Three Floyds did it. They put their brewery in an industrial park and traditionally you can find buildings for rent that are dirt cheap and kind of work it out. So when you come here, do not expect to be in Chicago or be loud. It's usually a ghost town when we're open. We try to be offset of the other businesses just to not be in their way. So when you come down here, it's gonna you probably might see some tumbleweeds blowing down the streets, but we're in the very back of it too. There's only one way in, one way out. And once you come back here, you'll definitely see because we are different. We've got glass windows and doors. We've got big signs that says beer, so you can't miss us. But it's kind of a little neat spot. I mean, we, we made it and kept it very industrial. Um, you've got a sneak peek into the brew space. Not too much, but a sneak peek. Honestly, we don't do tours because there's no room back there. <laughs> a 4,000 square foot space quickly gets filled up when you add the open tasting room component and then just get more tanks in. So it's uh, it's small, it does the trick. It's got a lot of 
a lot of character, a lot of love. We've been brought in my music passion and my just things that have come to fruition and things I've collected over the years being in the music industry. So a lot of guitars that you'll see on the walls <clears> are guitars I had signed by artists that I worked with in the past. Or you'll see just inspiration for the backdrop of the bar is a bunch of fake speaker amps and. It's been fun to kind of bring it all together. This, a lot of this stuff was in my basement, in my man cave, and now I no longer have a man cave at the house. It's all a kid cave, but uh, this is my, my new man cave. So Tell us about the, uh, the wall of amplifiers. I, I, I read somewhere that uh, it, was, it was a no-go if you couldn't have your tappers in that orange amplifier. That's true. So um, my bar builder, Nick, who also collaborates with his girlfriend, Alyssa, to do all our labels, he is um, an up-and-coming bar builder, and I think this was like his second or third project he had to do. And when we had sat down to kind of design everything out, I said, I want to continue on with what we had as a jockey box cover, which was a amp box. And I want to do that again for the, the back wall, just to kind of bring it all together. But I've been a huge fan of Orange Amps, just when I was working with artists and seeing them play, it just stood out. It was bold, it was different. Um, that's what I wanted to do. So that was a no-brainer. I'm like, you have to do that, the rest is up to you. <laughs> and he spent his time, and he you know, consulted with musicians and asked them, what brands would you recommend? And he spent hours online trying to figure out how to recreate these without actually tearing apart a piece of equipment. So we get asked all the time, are those real? Did you sacrifice this and that? And they're not, they're, they're completely fake. So it's a fun backdrop. So before we dig into the rest of the microphone and start sampling the beers, can we just go around the horn and you guys just tell us your background, how you got into craft brewing, and maybe what, what beer led you down that rabbit hole? Yeah, I'll, I'll save myself for last because we hear about me too much. So let's have Mike or Kyle jump in. Okay, thank you. Appreciate it, Kyle. <laughs> well, I was, I was a sandwich artist What's your name? at Quizno. My name is Michael. <laughs> Mix Master Michael. Michael. I was a sandwich artist at Quiznos, and Kyle worked at Jamba Juice as a juice master, and Mike was like, why not hire these guys? No. I, uh, I got my start as a home brewer, of course, uh, living in Jersey City, just doing home brews and partaking in all different kinds of fermentation. I made wine for a little while, I did mead. Beer just stood out to me. It was something that I like to drink. I moved out here shortly after Hurricane Sandy hit. I got flooded out of my apartment. I needed somewhere else to live. So I crashed on a friend's couch for a while and I actually interned at Five Rabbit. And I was interning for a couple months and then I was finally hired full-time and I was there for about four years before I left and I came to microphone. And here I am now. Yeah, and a fun story, so I had a chance to kind of shadow and help out other breweries for about a year and a half. And during that time, the guys at Five Rabbit graciously opened up their doors and said, yeah, come on over, we could use help on the bottling line or brewing and stuff like that. So a few different times in the bottling line, Mike and I would sit there and play this music game. It was oh yeah, it was a lot of fun. And that's kind of how I got to build a relationship with Mike. And throughout the years, had you know, shared beers at bottle shares and just got to talking. And then it was one day when I, we finally had enough income to bring on another brewer, um, kind of you know, really the stress and time-consuming task that Kyle and I were taking on. We, was, you know, we were pretty much operating as a two-man show with multiple stuff to take care of that we needed to bring on a third person. So I had approached Mike and said, hey, what's up? Are you interested? And we made it work. And I'm, I'm so happy we did because Mike comes with a different kind of background than Kyle and I have. He has a lot more professional experience. You know, I started in the basement and then shadowed a bunch of breweries and a lot of breweries who were kind of up and coming learning from being home brewers, where Mike came from a brewery that was filled with people who had worked at incredibly established in professional breweries. Some of the procedures that he has, we instantly, within those first few weeks of him being here, learned more than I ever learned in the 10 years of shadowing and brewing and stuff like that. So it's been a treat to have him on board and we keep exploring. And he just had a, 
chance to release his own beer. Each quarter, I let these guys kind of pick a beer and brew their beer, and there's nothing off limits. And so this time, he wanted to bring, recreate one of his homebrews, and he did it. And it's called Girls Just Want to Have Flan. So it's a flan. <laughs> it's a spot. You guys are interested. Yeah, yeah. We, can, we can sample that one out. But yeah, it was probably the most expensive beer we ever made. And he kept, <laughs> he kept asking me, like, can you buy Sorry this? Can you buy that? Can you buy this? I'm like, sure, man. <laughs> we'll make it happen. So yeah, it just got released last Thursday. So more good stuff from, uh, from Mike to come. Absolutely. I just make Mike ask you to ask to buy things. <laughs> I guess that's a good segue into you, Kyle. Yeah. Uh, so my name's Kyle. I started off as a home brewer. Uh, what got me into it was actually going to Fobab, uh, I think like four years ago or something like that. My friends took me and I went down the first aisle and I'm like, well, why aren't we making this? <laughs> and so uh, very next day I went to a homebrew shop and I was like, this stuff is incredibly expensive. So I just went back home and YouTubed everything and learned how to make everything from scratch. Like Mike said, I didn't really have any training or anything. My first beer came out pretty much. I think I made it into barbecue sauce because that's pretty much what it was. And yeah, 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 I had five gallons of barbecue sauce. So. <laughs> that was cool. So yeah, I wanted to get more into it with my buddies and so kind of stalked Mike online a little bit. I think at a festival and then pretty soon I was just volunteering with him uh, canning pretty much just led right into our relationship I also had some other people trying to start like a brewery with me but I wasn't quite ready for it yet so he's like you just want to come on full-time with me and I'm like yes sir <laughs> I'll so. embarrass Kyle a little bit so we were, <laughs> we, were we were first at Slapshot Brewing we were doing those big-ass cans so 24 ounce cans and the process was incredibly manual. It took as many people as you could find to sit around and splash with beer for 10 hours. We had a, f a friend come in and he brought a couple friends with him. And this guy comes in with swishy pants and blue blockers and just looks hungover. Who's that? That's all hell. And that's, uh, that's why I met Kyle. <laughs> but no, what Kyle stepped up is that um, he kept just coming back and coming back and coming back and stuff that would most, probably 99.9% of people would not do. Jump in a kettle and scrub it for hours and sweep the floors and squeegee the floors and stuff like that. He just did without even asking. I told him, hey, you know, we're, I'm running right now with not making any money. I can guarantee that if, if we do get a place by ourselves, I'll bring you on full time and I'll compensate you. And he sacrificed probably close to a year and a half of his time shadowing and helping and grinding with me. And, now we put together a, a crazy grinding schedule in the beginning when we were at Unane. We would get up at three in the morning, we would package it on two beers, rinse out the bright tanks, jump in our vans, and deliver everything that same day. Fifteen barrels of the beer getting delivered and packaged and delivered in one day. And then we get right back to it the next day and brew two batches down and fill the tanks up. So it was a grind. Well, I lucked out. Yeah, you did. <laughs> Trust me, you yeah, did. You <laughs> sweet spot. Yeah, but no, it was. It, it just it, it proved to me that he was in it. It wasn't for the money. It wasn't for any of the stuff that some people get into it, it was he, he was passionate about it and wanted to learn and he had the, the work ethic I was looking for. It's kind of the, the team we got going. We are all middle name Joseph, so that's kind of a prerequisite for our, our hiring process. <laughs> <laughs> We're working on getting Kyle to change his name to Mike, so that's great. Papers are in the mail. But no, it's been fun and it's exciting and keep developing and growing and I've now been able to rely on these guys and I can get on the road and do collaborations and not have to be here all the time. When I first started, it was me by myself doing the recipes, the brewing, the packaging, the sales, the deliveries. And now I've got these guys here to kind of do a lot of stuff that I can lean on them and trust them and know that's getting done how it should get done. So it's great. So it doesn't sound like any of you guys have quote unquote formal education in the brewing industry. Uh, we've had discussions with uh, other brewers about what's more important, education versus experience. For brewers that may be coming up, uh, what would you recommend? 
Well, like I said, I think me being able to go out and shadow as many breweries as I did was both eye-opening and also incredibly confusing. But it's something I'll never forget, and it's kind of gotten me where I am. When you go to a different brewery, everybody has a different setup and different process. Brew houses are all different. I mean, even if you've got the same manufacturer, a 10 barrel can be totally different than a 20 barrel. So learning all those things in the beginning was like, oh my God, which lever do I open up? What, what do I do here? And I just, I learned to quickly just sit back, sponge in, ask questions, and figure it out. But I think what, what it comes down to is honestly, you gotta have the passion and know that in the beginning it's a grind, and it's a struggle, and figure out what you wanna do, how you wanna be different, and then just go to it. I mean, it's not about making money, it's not about any of that stuff, it's about making great beer and making people happy. You know, I know a lot of that gets lost with the social media stuff that happens and this and that, but I really want people to understand that we are in this to make people have a great experience. And now that we have the tasting room, we want a place that's a safe place to come, we know you're gonna have a good time here, and hopefully you're gonna leave here with some beers that'll make you happy at home too. But no, anybody I would say starting, knock on door, shadow, dude, I got turned away from so many different places. I've also volunteered at places that I thought I was gonna get a job and never got a job at. Finally, we decided that it was just time to invest in ourselves and go at it. And I realized that a lot of people don't have that luxury. Do what Kyle did, you know? Bang on doors and prove yourself. And don't just don't just come in to get free beer and hang out. Bust your ass off. We'll leave soon then. <laughs> <laughs> it's definitely worth the time to basically apprentice because going to school, you know, you can learn as much as you want to learn. At, like at Siebel, you know, they teach a lot of macro style and most of the places people are getting into is micro. And so you'd have to like pretty much dumb scale all that down a little bit for yourself. But yeah, you caught me right when I was about to go to Siebel. And you're like, no, nah, man, just, you know, just shadow me and learn what you got to learn. I'm like, all right, cool. And so, I mean, for me learning from him, I don't think there's anything better than shadowing someone. I agree with you. Hands-on experience is the way to go. All that academia, you can get books anywhere. You can read up on different things. The only way to go is, is hands-on, just knocking at brewers' doors and stuff like that. There's only one place to, to find that. And one of the things I'll say, too, is that, you know, not every brewery will tell you this, but it happens at every brewery. Every day, there's something that goes wrong. Something breaks, or some process doesn't work, and this and that. And a lot of the times, I go, what would I do on the homebrew level? Take it down to the simplest, basic form. How can I get that to there, into that spice, and figure it out? We trouble so, every day. Yeah, you have to. I every mean, day. And so having that initial homebrew experience has helped me with this quote-unquote pro experience. All right, so right now we're drinking some beers that make us happy. So do you, do you want to tell us a little bit about what we're drinking now? Sure. Right now you're currently drinking DDH, IPA, ABC, BBD. I Nailed it. it. <laughs> so it's funny because like for so long, you know, there's all these acronyms now in the beer industry. And we're just like, let's just have fun with it and do DDH, IPA, ABC, BBD. So it's Boys of Men reference and we're having fun with it. But this is a double dry hopped IPA with Batueca, Mosaic, Ella, and Eldorado hops. And it's just, it's it's probably our most dialed-in beer. It's got the, the thick body of a double IPA. It's got the nose of a double IPA, but drinks and finishes like an IPA. So with that said, you can crush it down. Incredibly flavorful. And that's been kind of my motto for our beers since day one, is that flavor, 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 flavor. If we're going to say it has maple in it, it's going to have maple in it. If it's going to have hops, it's going to have a lot of hops. With this beer, I think we've nailed everything we wanted to do with this beer. And what's the ABV on this? Seven and a half. 
Yeah. Okay, that's not really crushable. Uh, well, well, if you drink our beers, it is. We can't make. Honestly, we can't make a beer below six percent. It's just whatever our system just likes to be super efficient on low grain days. <laughs> Dial in right there. Ten percent Berliners. Here's a funny, funny story about this beer. It's the first time we did it, we got an insane efficiency. And so it, it shot us up into this other bracket where like, we can't release this as DDH IPA, this is DDH DIPA. So we had to scrap that, change the name, and it went to Say Uh. So the first batch of Say Uh was supposed to be DDH IPA. Didn't happen, we dialed the, the recipe back down for the next time we brewed it, and this is what came out. Nice, and both great beers, you know. Both, you know, just slight differences in each one, but yeah. uh, both big, juicy fruit bombs, you know. These are fantastic beers. Thank you. You want to tell us about the other little one we sampled here? Sure, Give yeah. us a little sneak peek here. Yes, yeah, super sneak peek, super raw beer. So this goes back, all the way back to the Unane days. We, we started a series called Innocent Criminal, after Ben Harper and Innocent Criminals. And it basically was a double milk stout with coconut nibs. And then we decided to start playing around with it. So we did blackberries, we did maple, we did cherry, we did peppers. This time around, we're doing raspberry. Mike and Kyle dropped in a bunch of raspberry yesterday, and we just pulled a sample last night, and I was like, we're there with it. It's not crashed yet, it's not carbonated, but it's got all the pieces we want. Tons of raspberry, it's got tons of chocolate, nice silky, thick body from that lactose notes. So. so the raspberry is just exploding out of it right now. Good. So we actually dialed back the raspberry a little bit just because we didn't want to overpower it, but we want it to be there. And I think we, we found out, found the sweet spot we wanted. Yeah. Yeah, it's very fruit forward and chocolatey without being sweet though. Like yeah. it's not overpowering dessert stout. It's a fruit beer. Yeah. And one of the things you always got to caution with a raspberry or cherry is that uh, medicinal characteristic. Mm-hmm. And I don't think this has any of it right now, so it's just happy. So take us back to the beginning, a few short years ago as it is. When did you guys know, like, aha, this is, we're going to be huge? Did you expect that coming out the gate? <laughs> I don't know when it hit, honestly. So we, when I first started making beers at Slapshot, which takes back to March 2015, I was doing what I did in the basement, and that was a lot of oats, a lot of wheat, a lot of hops. And so my beers were coming out incredibly hazy at that time. And at that time, that wasn't the thing to do. So everything, at least in Chicago, so everything in Chicago had to be Chicago clear. See your hand through the glass. If you don't see your hand through the glass, it's not good. So we, we struggled. We had I mean, people constantly saying ugly beers, ugly beers, ugly beers, just because that was the perception of this is what a beer should look like, and this is what this beer does look like. So we, in Michigan, like, and they were good beers in my opinion, but they just weren't desired. It wasn't until we did the first batch of Smells Like Bean Spirit, which, you know, we, we took a risk on that. We, we played with it. We got lucky to meet a local roaster who was just as eager about coffee as we are about beer. And he said, let's do this. Let's figure this out. As we talked about before, we started recording. Adjuncts are something that just shoots a beer from here to there. And so when people heard coffee and maple, it, was, it seemed to be like, okay, we have to have this, even without them ever trying it. And that was when things kind of started to to make a, a difference. We were seeing stuff just moving a lot of it faster. And then once we moved over to Unane, I had the luxury of traveling a lot and going out and trying a lot of the Treehouse and Trillium and Alchemist stuff. And it was just kind of a hole in, in void in Chicago. Nobody was making juicy IPA. And so we decided to sit down with a yeast provider out in Oregon and we kind of just figured it out. And how can, we, how can we make these beers and give it a shot? And so we set out and we made Special Sauce, which is our first New England style IPA with all mosaic. That instantly was 
a game changer for us. People were like, oh, great, now I don't have to trade all my beer to get four cans and stuff like that. And, and every time we released, I mean, it became a, just a thing from there on out. It was, we were, you know, in the beginning we were experimenting with Belgian IPA, Cezanne, and whip beers, and this and that. And then once that all hit, it was like, we either made an IPA or a stout. That was just how it was, because that's what people kept asking for. And by the time we dropped it off at stores, it was already sold. So it was just, it was crazy. So that's that's where it really took off. People used to track your, your delivery van. Uh, I had to uh, shake a few beer nerds. <laughs> I'm like in my hometown, and I have to circle a few blocks just to get them off my tail. Yeah. I'm, like, I'm going home, guys. <laughs> I'd rather you not know where I live. Yeah. Andy, would you like to apologize to him? <laughs> no, I, I, I was in Milwaukee, but I work like seeing Kenosha area. Sometimes I'd pop down here, but I'd always be a day late. <laughs> I tasted your original bean spirit about a year and a half ago at a bottle share, and I was instantly told, Alex, I got to find out how to get this. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah, it's, I mean, me and my wife, we, my wife is uh, the other owner of the business with me. We sit back at night and just go, how the hell do we get here? I mean, her and I both met working at a, a music company in downtown, and we were not in this. We were just, I was doing it in the basement to have fun, and, and then just we got the confidence and all that stuff, and now we're here, and it just, we sit back, we pinch ourselves every night, and go, holy crap, this is incredible. I mean, when you have over 5,000 breweries in the U.S., and for us to have the demand we have, it just, it blows our minds. So thank you to everybody who continues to follow us and purchase our beer and appreciate our beer. So I, you know, and it, part of the reason that we got into this podcast and the, the beer podcast specifically is to kind of draw attention to you guys, you know, the folks who are doing it in their basement and then find out like, I'm really good at this. And then they put it out to the public and the public responds. I mean, I love the, the music theme that you guys have here. And it really works for what we try to do at the podcast, which is show how you guys are rock stars in your own right. You know, you guys are rocking this beer industry right now and creating the new wave and new styles and all of that kind of stuff and it's really it's fun for us to just be able to talk to you guys about what you do on a daily basis because for us who drink it it you know it lights up our lives you know it, it really uh, it makes a difference so we we appreciate it guys it's good to hear uh mike since you almost uh you know bankrupt this brewery with this beer can you want to tell yes. us a little bit about this one <laughs> sure <laughs> so this is the first beer that i did here at microphone it's called girls just want to have flan i want to do something original something unique just breathe a little bit more life in the microphone. I mean, we already have a ton of life, but this is just a little bit more. And that's kind of what I want to do with all my beers. Just do something unique, something you really can't find anywhere else. So this is an albino stout. It has a ton of condensed milk, as well as a ton of vanilla beans. And that's pretty much how we broke the bank with it. <laughs> but yeah, just trying to make flan in a glass. It's essentially a, a dessert beer. And I think we hit our target. Yeah, it's funny because in the beginning we were like, oh, it's one of those beers that you'd probably just be able to have a, a sip or a glass of. Yeah. And then the more you drink it, that condensed milk and vanilla just sit on your tongue. Mm -hmm. And you're like, I want another sip and I want another sip. All our beers go through a process and you start tasting in the beginning and they're very broad and they go through another process where you're like, all right, it's on. And then it switches over and then it gets crashed and then it gets the bright tank and you're like, all right, what's going to taste like with carbonation? And with this beer, day two by the time it was carved up, we're like, yep, this is great. It, Good to go. Nailed it. So and I'm really happy with how it came out. And, you know, from the feedback we've gotten already in the tasting room, people really dig it. I tell you, knocked it out of the park. I'm awesome first try. Thanks. Yeah, so an albino style is a pretty unusual style. Other than obviously the SRM on this is pretty low. Uh, what makes an albino stout an albino stout? Well, it has all the characters, all the characteristics of a stout just being pale. So it's a lot of marisada. It is a lot of oats, flaked oats to give it that big body. 
There is some nibs in there as well. There's some coffee in there as well. A little bit of cinnamon, all prepared in a way to not impart any color. Yeah, because it, it is very pale for a stout. Like, yeah. Yes. Yep. Um, <laughs> yeah, so not only did it cost a lot, it also took a lot of time because we had to figure out a way to not impart color, but also get those flavors. So there's a, a side process to it all. And it's, it, it definitely, if you close your eyes and somebody serves it to you, you'd be like, this is a stout. And then you open your eyes and go, oh, never mind. What am I drinking? <laughs> so it's, it's fun. It's, it definitely plays with, the, plays with your uh, taste buds for sure. So we've, uh, we've mentioned a few of the beers that you guys do. We'd like to ask all our brewers on the Tap Takeover podcast, uh, if you guys could kind of take over the taps at the Tap Takeover podcast, which of your beers would you choose to kind of tell your story, you know, tell the story through those beers? We could even go down the line if you guys each want to pick a couple, and uh, we'll do it that way. And actually, I'm modifying this live. I, I also want to add one guest tap. So one beer that you had throughout your journey that you like would put at the end of that. Right. Kyle, you want to start? Kyle's throwing folks under the bus again. <laughs> it's, it's, always, it's always hard to kind of you know, pick your favorite kids, right? The more and more we've been brewing, the more and more we've been dialing things in. I think number one for me is Poeta Custler. Poeta Custler is a double dry hop, double IPA with all Nelson Savon hops. And unfortunately for me, I ran out of Nelson this year and it's going to be hard to find any more Nelson. And Nelson's going on the black market for 30 to 40 bucks a pound, which just doesn't make sense for us. Um, so we brewed that beer twice this year and both times I just, I absolutely loved it. Nelson's got such a different characteristic. You can smell it from a mile away. And so I think that's why I really like that because it's just so, it's so different and unique. I could drink that every day, no doubt. And then I think another beer I'd throw on tap there would have to be Bean Spirit, whether it be Imperial or Bean. I think what we did with the, so we, we, we started off with Smells Like Bean Spirit. Then we started developing the bigger versions, the Imperial Bean Spirit. And then we just went back to doing the Smells Like Bean Spirit. And you guys just had a release on that this past weekend, we did, right? Yeah, we did. That's another beer that we went into 12-ounce bottles with. And it's one of those beers that it's been a love-hate relationship for us. I mean, we've, we set out to make a beer that was a coffee-forward breakfast style with maple. People love to hear maple, so they said, where's the maple, where's the maple? So we started playing with things and figuring things out and trying to stop the tank and keep the maple vanilla, well, maple sugar, and if it finds any other yeast, it'll go to town and bottle bombs. We went through that experience, and finally, once we got to where we wanted to, we're like, this beer's incredibly dialed in. That was the Imperial version. And then we're like, well, let's see if we can take what we learned from the Imperial version and make the dumbed-down original version. And this new batch is just, it's, it's everything you want. It's that massive coffee in the nose, it's got a nice rounded mouthfeel for just an 8% stout, and then it finishes with a nice maple sweetness. Whether it's that one or the Imperial version, I think that, that beer has kind of catapulted us into where we are today. I mean, that's every time we release it now, it's, it's drawing a line and it's kind of put us on the map as far as a stout producer. And then if I had to pick one other oddball one, I would have to go Teleport Massive. Oh, Mike, come on. <laughs> I thought it was going to be original and you were going to be like, oh, I forgot about that one. No, no, I didn't forget about it. Unfortunately, we produce such small batches between a seven barrel batch or a 15 barrel batch that when we package beers that are either highly sought after or catch, catch some fire and sell it in the first couple weeks, I don't keep much for myself. I maybe keep a bottle or two or three. Uh, most of the time I end up giving most of my stuff away just because I want people to try it. So then there'll be a day where you go back and go, I really hope I have a bottle of vanilla bean spirit or teleport massive in the fridge and you don't. And you're like, it just leaves you wanting to make it again. So Teleport Massive was a overfruited or Florida Weiss, Berliner Weiss that we put 
an insane amount of blackberry and raspberry in. And just by the look of it, it, it looks like a smoothie fresh from Jamba Juice. It's delicious. Um, <laughs> Thanks, Kyle. And, uh, yeah, and it, it hit everything we wanted to do with it. So it's, it's, it's a fun start to now making more of these overfruity Berliners. Yeah, so those would be my three that we make. And then if for a guest draft, I have to go with, oh, man, it's, it's changed so much over the years. Mm-hmm. I mean, honestly, my palate has changed so much. My, pinch, my palate changes every week. But I used to say this, if I had to go and have a Desert Island beer, it would be New Glarus Berliner. I think I could just drink that every day. Nice. It's, it's such a easy drinking, well-rounded Berliner Weiss that hot day, cold day, I'll drink it. So. That's the one I put on. Right, cool good answers. Uh, Top three for me. He would just put uh, girls just want to have flan all the way. Girls across. just want to have flan. <laughs> uh, imperial girls just want to have flan. <laughs> oh man. Barrel aged girls just want to have flan. So I have to take out a loan. <laughs> Break, breaking news. <laughs> uh, you touched upon teleport massive. Definitely that beer. We plan on doing that one again. Bean Spirit has been really fun to work with. We recently did a variant vanilla bean spirit, vanilla imperial bean spirit. That turned out really well, and we have plenty of variants that we plan on releasing in the future too. So I would definitely put Bean Spirit on that on that tap takeover. Uh, let's see. The special sauce as well. It's a different hop every time, so it's a different beer every time. But I really enjoy the one that we originally did, the one that's on tap right now, just with mosaic. I feel like that's really crushable. Let's Eight see. Eight and a half percent crushable. Eight and a half percent crushable. We have a crushable different perspective for us. For us. Yeah. For us. <laughs> and then as far as maybe a guest hop goes, I just went to Vermont. There were a lot of cool new breweries out of there. I guess I'll throw a cool new brewery on Foam Brewing Company. Uh, Beat Happening would be the beer. It's an IPA or double IPA. I'm not sure. I had it. Absolutely amazing. So yeah, Kyle, take it away. For my beers, I would definitely have to say, even with people who don't like sours, they try Blue Hosmich, which is our blueberry Berliner, and totally changes their way they think about sours. And so that one, I really liked, especially because at the time that I tried it, I didn't really like sours too much, and that's what got me on board with the sour game. Our DDH, so, well actually, our Misty Mountain Hop, which is our <clears throat> kind of like original one, right? Yep. That's pretty much like what you started off with, it was our first uh, first beer, right? First ever beer, yeah. And so you hold DD, our uh, DDH up next to Misty Mountain Hop, and you could just see how like we've kind of changed over the years of what we were going for to as to what we're going for now. That has to be one of my more favorite beers too because of just the originality of it and what you came up with in the very beginning. DDH is really good too. I, I'm just in love with that beer. Right now. <laughs> <laughs> you can't compete. Yeah, no, no, you really can't. I think this, this batch is amazing of it. And for a guest, took foam because I really like that beer that you got out of me. Well, it's you're amazing. welcome. <laughs> I mean, if we can get if we can get something on taps like Hill Farmstead or something, like do it from Oh, you guys are making me thirsty. So we're going to have to grab some of that special sauce and uh, take a little break. And we come back, we'll get some beer news. We'll find about collaborations and what you guys are going on for the rest of the year and next year. So we'll be right back. Welcome to this episode's Beer News. I'm Jim, your special guest host, filling in for Andy. In local events tonight, December 6th, 2017, Hale House, an up-and-coming craft beer bar located in Hale's Corners, breaks out the founder's CBS at 5 p.m. This barrel-aged beer, last bottle in 2011, is amongst the rarest of founder's beers. Check out our special episode to hear our thoughts on this highly sought-after beer. On December 13th, 
Brew City MKE, a museum and beer bar run by the Milwaukee Historical Society and located in the mall at Grand Avenue presents Behind the Beer Christmas Edition featuring Miller Valley's Chocolate Lager. It's a chance to taste and learn the history behind one of the brewery's rare seasonal beers. It starts at 6 p.m. Tickets are now on sale for the Midwinter Brew Fest at the Milwaukee Alehouse on Sunday, February 18th, noon to 5 p.m. This year, the festival will feature over 30 local and national breweries. This cozy festival is limited to only 800 tickets and makes it easy for getting plenty of samples. 2018 brewery release calendars are just now being published. Be sure to tune in to Beer News every episode as the Tap Takeover crew keeps you up to date with the releases you need to know about. Speaking of upcoming special beer releases, Good City Brewing will once again release their bourbon barrel-aged Imperial Stout Density on December 16th. Density features lots of roast character with a distinct burnt toffee note coming from the addition of molasses in the kettle. And if you missed it on Black Friday, Third Space's Barrel-Aged Liquid Layers, a spiced barley wine, can be found at special releases throughout Milwaukee, but stay tuned to their Facebook page to see the events. Now, details for Perennial Sump Week 2018 have been announced. Sump Week will run from Wednesday, January 3rd through Sunday, January 7th. Perennial will once again be pre-selling sump packages as well as hosting individual releases during the week for sump and its variant as single origin coffee from Las Lajas in Costa Rica. One sump coffee stout of the special variant will be included with this sump package and we'll also see an individual release though the variant will only be sold at the tasting room. But tickets are on sale on Monday, December 18th at 2 p.m. Central. Ticket packages will be available for $75 plus fees at sump2018.eventbrite.com. The package will include two bottles of the 2018 regular coffee sump, as well as one bottle of the varietal, and one special sump bottle bag. If you can't make it down to St. Louis for the release, you can expect to see sump begin to show up in your area soon after. And to wrap up, there is sad news to report as Brenner Brewing has closed its doors on its physical brewery and tap room location in the 5th Ward of Milwaukee. Even though the assets have been sold off by investors of the brewery, Mike Brenner is determined to persevere and continue brewing Brenner beer. While disappointed in the turn of events, Mike is relieved to, and I quote, not ever having to scrub puke out of the subway tile again. Stay classy, Mike. And this has been Beer News. All right, some amazing beer news, and uh, we just wanted to get into it here, guys. One of my first experiences hearing about you guys, it had nothing to do with a beer that you actually uh, uh, produced for the public. It was actually the, the very first batch that you guys did at the brewery, which I believe was just called Mike Check. Something that I really respect is that you guys did not like where that, that first recipe was at, dumped the entire batch, and now that beer became Mike Check 1-2. So can you tell us a little bit about that decision-making process? I mean, having just opened your brewery uh, first, First batch out of the gate, having some issues. Uh, how do you make that 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 drastic decision? Well, it's, I mean, yeah, that was that was an incredibly frustrating process. So we had you know set out and spent years building out our new space, and we thought everything was legit and ready to go, and we we're using some equipment we had used before. We go to to brew these first few beers, and I come in after dumping out the grain, and I'm like. Kyle, it's really smoking here. He's like, oh, it's just the steam from outside because we had started brewing in the winter. And I'm like, no, that's not normal. And more and more I started thinking about it, I'm like, I think our elements are, are, are smoking. And so what we quickly learned after a few batches, like we tried, we tried, we tried with that. Maybe it's our cleaning process, maybe it's just our process overall. The way our electrical was hooked up inside of this older building was not compatible with those elements. So it was making them go from 
X amount of watts to an insane amount and just frying, just legitly frying the beer. So everything was turning out smoky and you know, I think it was not just that batch, but it was three other batches or two other batches on top of that one that we decided to dump down the drain. We, you know first impressions are incredibly important in this industry. And although we've already had beers on the market for over two years, we knew that coming out of this new space, we'd be under a different radar and a different microscope. So we had to make sure that what we came out of here with was good. Great. Good, great, grand. Yeah, you don't want to come out of the gate with a smoked IPA. Uh, so it was a no-brainer. I mean, honestly, I went home, and it was so frustrating, and I talked to my wife, and she's like, dump them, just dump them. Don't take that risk, you know? So we quickly dumped them, and the beer was called Mike Check for a reason. We wanted to check our system, and you know, we checked it, and it failed. It completely failed. So, you know, thank God in the back pocket, we were going to do Mike Check, Mike Check 1-2, Mike Check 1-2-3. We kind of scrapped that just with Mike Check, and then once that first batch went down the drain, we're like, all right, let's go to Mike Check 1-2, because now we're checking the system again. You know, after my electrician came in, we had to order all new elements. Thank God that company had just started making elements that were compatible with our system. We plugged those right in and then got right to it. Yeah, and then, and then it became what it was. And now Mike Check 1-2 is kind of kind of our staple beer, if you will. If you take out the other ones that are kind of the talked about, special sauce and bean, Mike Check is the beer that we, Mike Check 1-2 is the beer that we want to see here in the tasting room almost every week. We're down right now, but it's coming back out in a couple weeks here. Between that one and Slim Hazy, those two beers are kind of those everyday microphone beers that we want people to kind of look at and go, wow, this is what microphone is, cool. We're happy we're netted out. We wish it was off the, from, the, from day one, but you know, that's what you learn. And you, you gotta be able to adapt. You gotta be able to say, hey, we, we did screw up, but we don't want to take money from consumers and have to explain on the backside, well, it was an issue. We knew the issue. We, didn't, we knew it wasn't up to our standards. So it was no questions asked, dump it down the drain. And I, I think one of the things that uh, really gained a lot of respect in my eyes was that you didn't just dump it. You you put it out on social media. You were very honest, you know, about this is what happened with our first batch. We're, you know, we have standards. We have very high quality standards. This is not going out to you guys. It might take a little more time, but we're going to get that quality beer that we envisioned when we first made this tap room. So you guys gained a lot of respect in my eyes just, just for that decision. Yeah, you know, I've always been incredibly open on social media who I am. I'm not really open that much outside of life, but when it comes to this business and kind of our livelihood, my wife and I threw down everything we have for this thing. So it's very important for us to let people know what's going on every minute. Sometimes maybe too much, but that's who we are and that's what we are and that's what Microphone stands behind. And we want you guys to be involved. We want you guys to understand and know what's going on at all times. So for things like that or things like our recent learnings from our releases, we want people to know we're, we're listening and we're changing and figuring things out. We want to be open and honest. I mean, we know people work hard for their money and for them to invest in a bottle or a four pack or some draft of our beer, we want them to know that they're not taking a chance or a risk. They want that they come and get it and we're getting quality. So that's what's important to us. So I think this also extends to your releases as well. You just had one last weekend. Previous releases didn't go quite so smooth, but you were very open and honest and made some changes. Uh, what were some of those changes and why was that important to you? Yeah, honestly, I don't think we had issues with releases. I think it was just the one release. I mean, honestly, if you look back at what we've done since we first opened this tasting room back in March, everything went pretty smoothly. We've been having our process and everything worked. What we didn't account for for the vanilla Imperial Bean Spirit release was the amount of people that showed up. We just, you know, if it's a normal day or if it's even a, a, the last Imperial Bean Spirit release, they, it works, our system works. On that day, our system was not set up to account for that many people. You know, when people start waiting and we, we made a change on the fly and that's, I'll take full responsibility for changing the allotment from three to two. And, and my eyes was to hope that more people would get the beer. It backfired on us completely and we should have never done that, but I'll take responsibility for that. You know, I spent the 
good month and a half after that release, soaking it all in and talking to other breweries and talking to consumers and just kind of talking to our staff and go, what, what the hell happened? And what, what did we do wrong? And what could we do differently? We took it all back and there's, there's, there's things that people don't realize. Like you just can't, I'll go right into what I saw online. People are like, it was a beautiful day. Why don't you set up a table outside? That's illegal. You can't go and just sell beer wherever you want. Any alcohol sales, there are, we are under the radar from local government, county government, state government, and federal government. So, I mean, literally they drive by and they scope on us all the time. If we're not checking IDs or checking wristbands, they will, will ding us. So we have to follow their rules. And that's what I was saying earlier with this 20% space, but we could only sell within these four, four walls, 800 square feet. So setting up a table was not an option. Getting more registers, we work with uh, Shopkeep, so everything's integrated, so it's all taken care of with our taxes and our back end. Um, so for us to use Square Readers wasn't an option. We had to get more iPads and more implements. So we did that. We got we went from three to five now, and it's it, that that helped a ton. And then just having more staff, having me here that day, and just kind of just kind of figuring a way that we could utilize more space within our walls to do what we could do. I called the mayor, and this is the beauty thing about being in Elk Grove Village, which is a small city, is that I was able to call the mayor, talk to him, and he said, hey, if it makes sense for you, it makes sense for us, let's do it. So that's what we were able to sell out of the back door this time. So that helped us kind of differentiate the two spaces, have a little more room in the tasting room, and then also have the, the release out the back door. You know, it, unfortunately for us, the day it was filled with a monsoon. <laughs> um, <laughs> We did catch a great window of no rain from 10 a.m. until 11.25 a.m. And during that time, we did have a line that wrapped all the way around the building. And we were able to get through those people. Once we opened at 11, get through almost all those people before the rain hit. hit. Um, but honestly, we were hoping for a beautiful day and we were hoping for a big crowd because we wanted to see if this new system would be able to handle that amount of people. That said, we had 175 people that we went through in 35 minutes. So I think we streamlined it. We made the process just a little bit more smooth and like it just flew through so we're excited to have our next big release and see if we can match that and do even better so speaking of releases and to uh finish beating the bean spirit drum we wouldn't be doing our jobs if we didn't ask when are you releasing the barrel aged bean spirit and will it be at fobab <laughs> no and no <laughs> <laughs> um, it's actually right behind us through this window here uh, yeah, I don't know if you can really see because there's a little uh, there's right there. Yeah. But yeah, right there, um, we do have Imperial Bean Spirit. Great sitting. radio, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll get pictures. Yeah, we do have uh, Imperial Bean Spirit sitting in barrels, and that's one of the things I brought Mike on. Um, immediately, I said, I want you to take control of our barrel age program. And you know, we really didn't have a lot of space to do it in the past, and we didn't have the just the, the time or the money to tie up tanks and tie up beer. But we knew it was important for us to get that beer in, in barrels. So I let Mike kind of take the show on that. And you know, we have some really good friends at Goose Island who were like, "Yeah, you need some barrels. We'll, we'll hook it up." So Mike drove down there and picked up several barrels, seven nice Heaven Hill barrels mm -hmm. from Goose. Right. There was a good amount of Heaven Hill sitting in there. Yeah, <laughs> um, nice and fresh. And we're we're not we're not really putting a timeline on it. We're definitely gonna taste it through. The beer will tell us when it's done. For sure. We're that? hoping for a time sometime in early spring next year to do an anniversary party. So we're scrapping Pale Popper Day. We just we decided that we wanted to get away from any drama or controversy that I may have caused with that and kind of bring it back to its roots. Pale Popper Day was just a, an alternative day for people who didn't get tickets to Dark Lord to kind of bottle share, have fun. It became this, over three, four years, it became this bigger fest that took away from certain things. So we're deciding to scrap that, pick a different alternative weekend and do our anniversary party. And then during that time, we hope to have a couple different barrel-aged beers, right? Yep. We've been trying to do every two or three months 
another set of barrel-aged beers. We'll get eight at a, at a time, pretty much, and just put another beer in there. This way, after Bean Spirit is released, we will have a continuous stream of new barrel-aged beers being released. Cool. So, uh, have you guys pulled a pin yet? Have you guys kind of checked on what the Bean Spirit's doing in there? Where Where is it at in its, uh, its taste profile? Mike, this is your show. It's all infected, but we're hoping, <laughs> we're hoping it just turns around. Nice. We might release it at something else. Which, which Goose Island barrels did you get? <laughs> <laughs> the sister sours? They were really cheap, right? <laughs> no, it's definitely um, coming around. They're tasting great. They are. But definitely uh, needs a little bit more time. They've only been in there for maybe four or five months now. So it's a heavy hitter. 10, 10.5% beers. We're going to give it some time and it'll do its thing. Did you guys change up the recipe at all? Did you make it a little bigger to, in order to uh, accrue those flavors? Or is it basically the base beer that you've always done? It's mostly the base beer. I think we amped aimed, up a little bit. We amped up a little bit. Yeah, it might turn out to be maybe 10.5%, 11%. Nothing too extreme, though. We wanted to keep it the same and just let people see what it would taste like with barrel aged on it. So we're hoping for so, uh, Mike, you talked about collaborations before. You've been, you've become kind of known for that. Uh, coming from Wisconsin, we are able to try a lot of your Untitled Arts collaborations, the uh, the Hazelnut Imperial Stout and the uh, the Creamsicle IPA. Tell us about that. How, how do you go about choosing who you're going to collaborate with, and, and what does that process kind of look like when you're figuring out what kind of beer you're going to do? Yeah, so, you know, speaking of Untitled Art, we're headed up there on Friday this week to pick up Tang IPA. Nice. So that was a fun collaboration that we did with Untitled Art again, and just kind of figure out how can we get Tang to come through in a beer. That was a crazy process. <laughs> and I'm excited to see how it tastes. It's funny when we do those beers, I never know what they end up coming. I mean, I go there to brew and we check on them, but I never know what they come to be at the end product. I'm always like, what's it going to taste like? And both of them so far have been home runs, so I'm hoping that Tang is just the same. And that's the astronaut Tang, right? Yeah, that's yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, for me, it's always been, I've got a wish list of breweries that I've followed for years. And if I can, if I can brew with them, if it, I don't beg them. I do not do that. I just hope we're organically through the years at festivals, whatever, we get to meet and brush shoulders and then kind of build a relationship. And that's usually where it all starts. You kind of find the common ground with people and say, hey, what, how, why'd you start? What, what's up with you? And I love the beers you're making. And I try to stick to breweries that, you know, we kind of brew in the same vein, kind of just bounce ideas and help each other get better with what we're doing. I think you can always learn. That's why I'll never take on the, the term master brewer. It's because with everything that's just coming out with new hops, with new yeast, with all this stuff, it's fun to continuously learn and play and develop and grow. And that's where I think most of it comes with the collaboration stuff is you see, I know that the lack of terroir is kind of a thing, and I think it exists. I think there's different styles and different regions and different aspects of that come into that. And it's fun to go out and learn and play and experience that with different breweries. We're actually, Cal and I actually headed up, pack up the car after this and head down to St. Louis to brew the second shift. And that was one of the breweries that you know, a few years ago, I was down in St. Louis and was turned on to their beers, brew cocky and Katie, and I was like, these are amazing. And a few weeks ago, he came up here and he's like, I want to brew with you. Let's do this. And I'm like, yes. <laughs> so we're headed down there and we're headed down to Miami in a few weeks to brew down there with Jay Wakefield. We're headed to Colorado to brew with Outer Range and Cerebral. And then right before Fobab, Weldworks is coming here to brew. And then Cerebral is coming here as well. We'll get another one in with Transient. Um, and I think we're going to do another. We're going to play with Hazelnut again at Bed on Tuttle Art. We might do. Nice. We are releasing a barrel aged version of Hazelnut at some point. We're also probably going to do either Imperial Hazelnut or play with it a little bit. So yeah, it's, it's fun for us to get out and meet people. And that's what it's all about. And I, it's, I, I'm lucky I get to bring these guys around with me too. And at the end of the day, you go into these breweries and you may not have met. Like, we didn't meet Neil and the crew from Weldworks when we went out there. It was strictly an online relationship. And hey, I love what you're doing. Hey, I love what you're doing. 
we should link up. And we went out there, never met these guys. And after being there, it was a long boil. <laughs> we left. Five hours? Yeah, five hour boil. We left That's there. That's it? <laughs> <laughs> I know. Sorry, we're not making bourbon count. We left being like best friends. It's, it's so cool. Like you get deep into, tell me about your family, tell me about your, how you started. And as you leave, you're like, this is, this is cool. So that's what that's what it's all about on that side of it for us. It's like the camaraderie, the relationship building, and just meeting great people. And we do get to travel a lot. We do get to go to many cities, and it's it's amazing how almost in every city now you can find a great brewery. And you know, I was turned on. I was just out in Colorado for GBF, and Sean at Cerebral was like, "Hey, you're headed out to Frisco. Go meet Lee at Outer Range." And so we had a night. Took the kids over there. They're playing Candyland. We're drinking beer. And, Man, this guy is on point. So I had reached back out to Sean and said, hey, I didn't get to meet Lee, but just let him know that I love this beer. Lee actually texted me. He's like, hey, I'll be at the brewery tomorrow. Come by and swing by and say hi. And we chatted for a good hour and a half and left there going, yes, let's brew together. Let's definitely do this. So that's what it's all about. It's fun. It's fun It's fun getting out of your zone, too, because every day can become monotonous for us. It's, hey, we're brewing a Monday, Tuesday. We're packaging Wednesday, Thursday. We're cleaning on Friday. And then you get right back to it again. Lying on so Saturday. Yeah, so it's it's nice to kind of get out of your zone and kind of see what other people are doing and learn and bounce ideas off. And with collabs, we usually do stuff that's just kind of off the wall. I mean, I know we do some stuff that's already off the wall, but with the collabs, <laughs> we try to say, all right, what's out of your comfort zone? What's out of your comfort zone? Let's, let's try to make it and figure it out. So your background, obviously, you're a Wisconsin kid, you know, that's your background. I guess we're wondering, what's your effort to kind of um, take your beer up to, you know, Milwaukee, Wisconsin, and then uh, any collabs with any breweries in Milwaukee? Yeah, so... Man, this is a tough one to answer. <laughs> Just say yes. Yes, 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 yes. All right, so before I opened up Microphone in Chicago, I had looked at opening up Milwaukee. I was born in West Dallas, grew up in McGonaga, which is called Madison, and then I was moving to Chicago in hopes to springboard out to LA and work at Capitol Records. Everything kind of, life takes you on your course, and my wife and I met each other and got married and planted roots here and did what we had to do. And we get up to Wisconsin pretty much every other weekend, it almost seems. Me taking my daughter to the Badger games or you know, going and seeing family and friends and stuff like that. And so it's a priority for me to get a place opened up in Wisconsin. Am I working on that right now? Yes. Do we have a spot picked out? Not exactly, but we're working on it. There's so much stuff that can go wrong and all that stuff, so I, I can't commit to anything yet. But am I working on getting a brewery open in, in Wisconsin? Yes, for sure. It's kind of a dream where I want to retire and kind of get back to where I started with. We definitely keep open both Elk Grove and the Wisconsin place. Um, I think it'd be fun to have two places. And it's, like I said, it's, it's a dream for me to get me and my family back up there and just kind of see what we can do up there. We didn't get the chance to open up in Wisconsin early on because we got a great following in Chicago and it would be hard to hard to leave that. They they brought me to where we are today. So these guys are just like we're moving to Wisconsin. <laughs> no, I wouldn't let no. no. And there's a funny, funny story about that. So, you know, flashback before we got this place open, I approached the mayor about having the taste room here and he said absolutely not. And so I was like, all right, maybe we scrap this whole thing and just go to Wisconsin. Told Kyle this and Kyle Kyle broke down. He was like, I don't want to move to Wisconsin. It's far away away. Son of a bitch. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I should have stuck here. Yeah. <laughs> so no, it's, it was one of the things we couldn't leave our fan base. We couldn't just uproot everything we had. And we, we kind of, so we planted roots here and I'm glad we did. And now it's, we've had the luxury of being able to get to a place where we can think about having a second location. There's no other place in the world that I like have a second location except Wisconsin. So we're working on that and hopefully we can make some announcement at some point. Can you lose info about whereabouts? No. Geographically? <laughs> 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 well, 
West Dallas. No. <laughs> well, if you guys need a temporary space, my basement is always You only lose about half the bean spirits. <laughs> it is important to me. I mean, if you look back at the first label we ever did, Misty Mountain Hop, it's got Bucky Badger on the, on the arm of the guy. Yeah, I mean, Wisconsin means the world to me, and so it'd be great to be back up there. And do I think there are breweries that are doing what we're doing? I don't. I mean, I think we can we, we can come up there and not step on anybody's toes. I mean, I think we do stuff that is different, and I think that people might like and enjoy up there. And I know we, based on this release we just had last weekend, I would say 20% of the people that came down were from Wisconsin. I was checking everybody's IDs, and I'm like, oh, Middleton, Middleton, Milwaukee. And it's cool to see that those people are coming down. I mean, it's, we're not far away. No one two hours from Madison, or an hour and 15, hour and a half from Milwaukee. So it's, 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 it's cool to see it. And obviously everything we've done with Untitled Art has kind of helped us kind of get some brand equity up there in Wisconsin. And I think people have always known since day one that I, I am Wisconsin proud. And so yeah, it, it, we'll, we'll get there. Is there any plans for the collab in Milwaukee area at all? We saw our friends of the show were down here a couple weeks ago, Eagle Park. Yeah, you know what? I haven't, I've got, I went up there and I met the guys from Third Space. But we just briefly talked about the system they had there because I was looking at some equipment. But I never really, I never really got into approaching anybody about doing a club up there yet. Would I love to? If I find the right people, heck yeah. Cool. You know, I've talked to the guys at Fermentorum because my mom lives up in Grafton. So I'm up there all the time and I always stop by there and drop off some beer over there with those guys. And we chatted a few times. And and Carl was a blast. Carl, exactly. <laughs> yeah, so Carl and, I, Carl and I, you know, we always, we always shoot the shit and have fun. And, He's like, I'd be honored to have you up here. I'm like, yeah, figure it out. So that's just one of those where it's an easy one for me because it's close to my mom and it'd, it'd be cool to do with someone up there. But yeah, right now we're just kind of uh, doing what we're doing with Untitled Art and we're going to be back up there soon. And I think I said on another podcast, like they asked me, like, what, what's your dream collaboration? And they're like, it's got to be Cantillon, right? I'm like, it's actually not. That's not my thing. For me, it would be New Glarus. I mean, I think what Dan and Deb done is incredible. Beers they make. That'd be pretty interesting. <laughs> it's yeah. incredibly, incredibly spot on. And as a kid growing up in Wisconsin, like during my German class, we went to New Glarus and toured the brewery and saw those, saw the, the old school brewery back in the day. And when you go and you see the fruit cave and you see what they've done up there, it's it's impressive. So, all right, let's get these guys back into there. So enough Wisconsin talk. <laughs> <laughs> let's talk about Good. New Jersey. I was, shall we? No. I was getting thirsty anyway. <laughs> no, because we can go all day talking about the great state. But anyways. Uh, <laughs> Um, let's talk about the barrel age program. I want to sure. talk about more expansion and uh, what you guys got going on right now. I know you got the being spared in there. Yeah, Anything absolutely. Else? Yeah. So we do. We have seven barrel fermenters. We have a couple of those, and we have a bunch of fifteen barrel fermenters as well. Typically, we'll fill up one of the fifteens. We'll ferment that out, and we'll be able to pull about eight fifty-three gallon bourbon barrels. Um, so right now we have. Bean Spirit, obviously. We have Softly Spoken Lies, that's sitting in barrels right now. Imperial Style with cinnamon. And then in the future, in a couple weeks, I think we're gonna be doing our Russian Imperial Stout that we released during the Vanilla Bean release, Surprise Left, a Surprise Left. So that's the next to go into bourbon barrels. And there's plenty more to put on the list. It's it's an easy thing to do. It's like, all right, let's do this big stout. Let's throw it in barrels. Space. It's just a matter of space, right? We, we are limited, but I think we have a little bit more space back here. The high ceilings. So. Yeah, right. So we fill four high. So that's pretty much each set of barrels will be in their own little place. So we're going to do a couple more. And then once we get bean out of barrels, we'll probably fill some new barrels up. Probably, probably with bean. Replace that and then just keep going. Yeah. Would you like to tell them what we have going at Fobab? Yes, with Fobab, we have a honey oat saison called, well, it's kind of a long name, so <laughs> stay with me here. Girl, just want to have fun, saison. <laughs> yeah. 
Precisely. Uh, it's called Who Wants That Honey? Punchins of Oats. So it's um, it's kind of a play on words. Uh, honey Punchins of Oats, the cereal, but also it's a Smashing Pumpkins reference. So and we have it's that. Aged, it's aged in wine punchins. So yeah, a wine right. punchin is 132 gallon size barrel. Yep. You had to stretch it to get that. Yeah, reference. I did. <laughs> Thanks for pointing it out, Kyle. No problem. <laughs> uh, and that's fermented out with Brett, Brett Lamicus. Uh, and then we have another one. It's actually a Fernet barrel that we picked up, and that also has softly spoken lies in it, and that's tasting really good too. It's tasting amazing. Amazing, plural. <laughs> <laughs> so you guys brew unabashedly big beers. Uh, a lot of big beers can be aged. We've had a lot of discussion with uh, our brewers uh, on this topic about whether their beer should be aged or drank right away. Do you guys think that when you brew these really big beers that they could mm-hmm. lay down, should be laid down for a while, or should they be drank as fresh as possible? Sure. We don't have much experience with that yet. We can't <laughs> tell you. Right. We, uh, we just started this barrel program. We're not sure how our beers will hold up over the course of time. We have a little Mahine back there. We're not sure how well it would package the beer to be held up over three, four, five years. So these are questions we'll learn. We'll learn, right, through experience. I would say too that you know everything we do for the most part is highly adjunct, and with adjuncts, those will dissipate with time. And so when we when we package something, we think it's good to enjoy at that time. If you want to age it, that's up to you. But that can't be. That's not the beer that we set out to release. So I guess age at your own risk. And I, I don't know what else you want out of the beer. I mean, that's, so I, I, I used to do that and I would always be upset with myself. Like, why did I age this? It was too long. Um, so I stopped aging any beers and I kept my cellar pretty tight and drink beers when I get them. And I got to enjoy them at when the brewer decided that was the time for it to come out and be ready to go. Um, so I, yeah, I, I think just age at your own risk. You, you, you do risk losing coffee because coffee will fade. Certain things may be more enhanced, like vanilla sometimes will linger and become more marshmallowy or whatever. That's up to you what you want to get out of the beer. That's an interesting statement because we've gone back and forth. Some people would say if it's released, it's ready, you drink now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But actually there's some brewers that we interviewed in Milwaukee and they actually promote, they even have the little hourglass on there. Oh, like, yeah. you, should, you should age it. I mean, you can let it sit. So Not I know. Us. I know. <laughs> no. I know. Yeah, I know bottles and free. I know she like our, our our hazy stuff. Like we have on there, drink fresh or cold. Like, oh that, yeah, yeah, that has yeah, to be. Yeah. Get that stuff. And what we, you know, what we noticed with like our um, the special sauce stuff, we use a unique yeast blend in there that could continue on in the bottle, and that will either separate out and drop to the bottom, or just clear up in general. And so with that, we want you to drink it fresh to have all that stuff ready to go. Enjoy it how we enjoyed it. So you don't recommend aging your own beers, but I guess you personally, do you have cellars? Do you kind of have some beers that you have sitting down in your basements? Uh, sure. And what are I those? I think we all do, and it would be a yeah. lie if anyone said differently. Yeah. I mean, we do. <laughs> Looking at you, I, Mike. I, for the most part, I find it and I drink it. Yeah. <laughs> See, I die. I don't. If there's anything in my fridge, it's by accident because we have a lot of like people come over the house and just we do bottle shares and I'm always like stop bringing beer because we already have too much beer. I kind of make beer. Yeah. Like, well, it's not even that. It's like everybody brings over like ten bottles. I'm like we have fifty people here. That's a lot of bottles to go through in one night. And so usually they leave them behind because it's a it's a nice thing to do. And we're always like, all right. So we 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 collect what's left over and try to get through it the next the next go around no i stopped i stopped aging stuff i really did because i didn't like what was happening i saw stuff that would eventually sit too long and become mm-hmm. too sour or gush or just be like stouts become oxidation oxi- yeah and mm-hmm. it's just 
it was like, why am I, what am I looking for? Right. I, I didn't, I didn't understand why I was aging. So I just stopped aging. I just walk past it every time I go on my own. Like, all right, well, let's pop that tonight. <laughs> <laughs> Don't want to age nothing. No, so, I just like to share. If we, you know, if we get a beer, I'm not going to hoard it and sit on it. I'm going to share it out. Let's try it. It was packaged, it was ready to go. Let's try this beer. I trust all my Cantillon that's sitting in my cellar right now, AKA the beers in a cardboard box on top of my refrigerator. <laughs> all right, let's go to Mike's house right now. <laughs> Where do you live again? I trust that they'll hold up for a couple of years. <laughs> okay, fair enough. Going back to beers that you let your employees make, Mike, you just did, uh, girls just want to have fun. Kyle, I'm assuming you're up next. What, what's in the pipeline? He's already got a few. Yeah, I have a uh, That's why he was out. so quiet, man, he's got it. <laughs> which ones? Are, which ones are yours, and what's kind of coming up for you? He's trying to scheme on how to put gold in a beer so it's more expensive than flour. <laughs> 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 <can't laughs> Heavy as a feather is actually the first beer that I that I came out with here. It's a Stella Lactose Pale. I actually get a lot of my inspiration while we're sitting at a booth in Olive Garden. <laughs> this is a true story. <laughs> Steve no, limited breadsticks, right? <laughs> it's the breadsticks. Yeah, it's the, it's the free in the salad. Yeah, Heavy as a feather, uh, feather is a lactose pale ale with Ella and Enigma. I just like the way both of those hops come out and showcase in Heavy as a Feather. And, oh yeah, Kettle Superstar. I had never used uh, lemongrass or spruce tips, and neither had these guys. So that was kind of like a shot in the dark, but it happened to work out, so I'm glad. And, can I uh, embarrass you on this one too? You can embarrass, <laughs> you, you, you just will, won't you? So this was definitely brainstormed at an Olive Garden. Uh. <laughs> And we're like, all right, where do we get spruce tips? So we dug around and we found spruce tips. And he's like, yeah, we, we need to get more spruce tips. I'm like, all right, cool. And in we, a forest. Well, you can't just steal from a forest preserve. But so every time he asked me, he'd ask me like the day after I get back from my mom's place in Wisconsin or up north. And I'm like, dude, I was all around spruce all weekend. <laughs> spruce land. I could have easily gotten a ton of spruce. But actually, no, I mean, big props to the guys at Black Husky. Those guys. That's one brewery I would definitely like to, to collab with, but I know Tim doesn't do any collabs, so. Oh, he doesn't do a lot of things. He's a good guy, though. Yeah, no, a lot of his staff comes down here and hangs out, so. Tim, what's brew? Uh, no, but yeah, he had he had talked to me, and he's like, here's what we do. Spruce is very hard to work with. I mean, they, they are the ones I think have figured out how to use spruce. Yeah. I mean, spruce juice and stuff they do with that beer is, is incredible. Close you brought that up, your episodes will probably be back to back. Oh, nice. Nice. <laughs> nice. Yeah, they're good kid. They're, they're good people up there. I mean, I love what how they've created what they, they've taken down from Pembine and put down in the middle of Milwaukee. It's cool to experience their initial lifestyle. Yeah, either way, I liked how the beer came out. I, I feel like we're always going to tweak our beers every time they come out. So, of course, I'll tweak it a little bit more, but yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I think I think with that one was one and we don't we will watch beers develop. We're not purposely aging them, but as the as it sat on draft for a week or two, that beer definitely took on a new life every yeah. which was fun. It was fun to see how definitely. that was developing. So you guys really use some unusual hops in your beers. How do you go about discovering new hops, understanding how they're gonna play within a beer? I think that was one of the things that I, I wanted to do early on is figure that out. So I was lucky enough to work with a company that had a direct relationship with Willamette Valley Hops, and he would just send me little packages every week when they got a new hop. So Ella and Enigma and stuff like that would come from him. And then I had some other contacts in the industry that had some of the, the bigger hops, like Nelson and Galaxy. Just started playing, and anytime that a new hop would come out, I'm like, I want to I want to get it and try it and see what happens with it. I would say that we just kind of go, well, we know the profile of it. It should match up with this. Let's give it a try. We don't want to continuously do the same profile every time. 
So we're trying to say, okay, let's, let's try these two together, see what happens. Let's try these, let's do this single hop. And that was one of the things we did with Special Sauce, is a, this is a single hop beer, let's showcase how hops are so different. I mean, if you had the, the full spectrum of Special Sauce, you would, you would not know that that's the same beer. But that's all derivative of the hop, and how the hops are so different. And that's exciting about it. I mean, you know, we're, I was just out at the uh, hop selection out in Yakima, and just to smell and see what, even the different lots, like you're smelling row X of Simcoe versus row Y of Simcoe, and they're wildly different. And so that's where, like for me now, that we can start getting into contract and hop selection, <clears throat> picking what we want. It's important for us to work with reliable sources make sure that those dates are fresh, make sure that they're packaged properly, and then continue to explore. I mean, I came back from there and said, we gotta play with Laurel. Laurel's a hop I never used before. It smelled like lemon meringue. I wanna use it, let's get it. And so, we're not gonna be scared of any hop. I mean, except for old noble hops. <laughs> we're not using any summit anytime soon, trust me on that one. We definitely, you know, we, in our Berliners and stuff like that, we, we use basic hops that are low alpha. But when it comes to our IPAs, we, we, we go to town. And we do not shy away from dumping as much hops in there as we, we feel needed. And that's part of my learning experience here too, is combining hops, seeing what goes with what. We all know Simcoe, Centennial, Citra, the characteristics that they have. But putting those hops together, sometimes twofold, threefold, and seeing what turns out. We did a beer called Third Ride Blind. We just transferred to our Bright Tank. That's with Hallertal, Simcoe, what else Citra. and Citra. Hallertal Blanc. Yes, 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 Hallertal Blanc. And earlier on in the earlier stages, we were actually getting chocolate, notes of chocolate and leather. And we're like, so whoa, weird. this is crazy. And I think it's just a certain combination of hops will give you different flavor profiles. It obviously changed as it went through more fermentation, we transferred it, but it's interesting to see how different hops kind of collide with each other. As we're winding down here, I guess uh, we know about your upcoming releases, some of the barrel stuff. What's going on in uh, 2018? What are the challenges? Well, I think the biggest challenge we face every day is just space. We, we've, we've run out of space. We play Tetris every morning, moving stuff around, and <laughs> trying to figure out how we're going to get this out of there. And you know, when, you, when you get to a certain ordering, like if you can order a truckload of something, it saves you a ton of money on the backside. So when we get our bottles, we order a truckload. Well, that's 20 pallets of bottles, and that's that takes up a, a ton of space. So when that day comes, it's just like, well, get ready, we're uh, <laughs> we're gonna be squeezed in here. Expected so, to rain on that day too. Yeah, yeah, and it's it's rained all four times that those chocolates have showed up, so that's <laughs> fine. We have no loading docks; it's just me sitting out in the forklift getting drenched on. Me laughing at you. Yeah, <laughs> but no, we've we've been able to get some storage space, which is great. I think the biggest challenge outside of space is just making sure that we are continuing to stay relevant and to encourage people to come here out to no man's land, Elkrow Village, and you know, invest their time and money into us. We want to continuously try to play with new things and get create excitement and get people happy. And you know, the, the one thing that I face every day online, every time I post something is, why not cans? Why not cans? Why not cans? There's a lot of challenges with that for us. Financially, it doesn't make sense. Uh, we don't have the space to host a cane line, nor do we have the room for the empty cans. Do we want to be in cans at one point? Yes, for sure we do. Trust me, I do. But it just doesn't work for us right now in our infancy. Hopefully, you know, who knows how the next year will go, but if things go 
like we want them to, then maybe we can look at that and get that taken care of. But right now, it's just it's just not feasible. So we'll see. But we, we hope that because we're not doing cans that we just get lost. I don't want that to happen. By moving to the, the some of our beers into the 12-ounce bottles, I feel like it's a great alternative to cans. And honestly, flashback four years ago when no one was doing cans, bottles were the better format, right? The only people who were doing cans were macros, and there was all these things about, well, cans are this, cans are that, bottles are better. Then all of a sudden that got flipped on its head, and so it's, it's more of a paradigm shift than anything. It's more people just preference of being able to trade it and travel with it and take it all over the place. I get that. I hope we can get to that point and get cans. But right now, this is what we can offer beer in, and I think overall our quality of beer in the bottle will be better. That's what I see. And you know, while you guys don't do cans, you guys do do crowlers, and we you've do. actually uh, had an update on that, or a new version of a crowler that you guys are kind of playing around with? So I was out at Great American Beer Fest and had been kind of winding down the night, and I ran into guys from Crawler Nation, which is a division of Oscar Blues. They're the ones who came up with the whole crawler idea. Uh, so a crawler's a can brawler. We like it better than the glass, because it's just, overall, the glass, there's a lot of issues that I see with either returning dirty or opening it, closing it, and exposing it, and all that stuff. Um, so we went the crawler route. I love the cans, but we also realized that 32 ounces could be a little bit too much at a time to enjoy. So what Oscar Blues is they developed a way to get the monster twist-off caps on top of those cans. And so we recently purchased a second crawler machine and updated our new auto crawler machine and got the lids to do those resealables. Two weeks from now, we'll be releasing a beer called Most Definitely, which will be no bottles. It'll just be crawlers only with the twist-off lids. So we'll see how it goes. And you know, thankfully, and big shout-out to the guys over at Noon Whistle for working with Illinois legislation to get it passed that we can do resealable formats. Because you can purchase these, and, but you can't sell them. Now that they've gotten that passed, we can do that. So it's, it's exciting for us now. Just I, don't drink and drive. <laughs> <laughs> but definitely drive down to Elk Grove. Come check out Microphone Brewing. Uh, you're going to have a great time. You're going to try some great beers. Uh, we really appreciate you guys taking some time to, to talk with us today about all of your many eclectic beers. Uh, we can't wait to see some of these, you know, some of the new ones on the line. We can't wait to see some of the old ones coming back. Yeah, thank you guys so much for, for having us here today. Not a problem. Thank you guys thank for you. coming down. Well, it looks like we are uh, we are out of beer, so uh, we're going to wrap this one up. So uh, for me, for Alex. For Andy. This is? Um, Jim. Kyle. Mike Cole. Mike. <laughs> <laughs>Welcome back, everyone. What a fantastic time we've had down at Microphone in uh, Elk Grove, Illinois. Chicagoland, make sure you get down there and visit. Definitely check out the release of the Barrel Age Bean Spirit in March when their one-year anniversary is at the brewery. Shh, Andy, we don't want to tell people about that one because we want that one all for ourselves. Too late. <laughs> <laughs> and we're going to jump right into another tasting here uh, to kind of round off the interview with some more Microphone beers. We have Blanc Party Saison. We have uh, the peppered version of Innocent Criminal, and then we're going to wrap things up with the regular version of Smells Like Bean Spirit. The one that started it all. Yep, the one that created the hype, but well deserved. Yeah, I, I think <laughs> they, let's just say they, they totally live up to it. What do yeah. you guys think? Absolutely, they yeah. live up to it. Jesus, what, what were some of your favorite beers that we tried while we were down there? Because they tried a number of them with us. I don't know. Some of those IPAs stand out. The, the girls would just want to have flan definitely stands well, the out. Special sauce, having it there on tap was fantastic. I mean, I love that beer. And girls just want to have fun. Maybe it was the story that they had attached to that beer that made it really good. 
I mean, it was it was a great beer. That's a fantastic, so, yeah. like albino stout. Yeah. You know, what's really funny about that one is that so Mike was nice enough to give us a bottle to take home, and we let it be known to you know the the significant others in our life that uh, that we have a bottle of this girls just want to have fun, and we let them know how good it was. And it turns out, Jesus, your girlfriend, and uh, my my girlfriend, and hey, Andy, your wife, all of them laid claim to that same bottle. So it leads me to believe that girls Gross just want. Want to have girls just want to have flan. <laughs> so yeah, you were onto something. Yeah, they're definitely onto something. It, it's a way to you know get people who aren't necessarily drink, beer drinkers into a brewery. It's, it's one of those fun flavors that y- you've tried the custard and now try the beer that tastes like. But the I custard. still say that's what makes beer great. Very limited amount of ingredients, you know. But it's the stories, you know, that make these beers just stand out. All right, so let's get into uh, the tasting here. What do you guys think about the uh, the innocent? Criminal and the the Blanc Cezanne, which are the first two that we're tasting. Well, I got to tell you, we're all over the board with these two beers because it's just not in the same family, you know. Yeah, <laughs> They're two different beers. I mean, way different beers. And I'll say we had a little trouble like pairing them up, and we just kind of threw these in. It's, these are interesting beers. Let's just track yeah. some of the interesting ones. But I got to say, Innocent Criminal is obviously a pepper beer. You know, there's pepper elements in that, but it's not that intense. I mean, it's really good. It, it that educated food had that bite which was not a like advertised pepper beer it just the you know the properties of the hops it was a hop bite yeah yeah this has a, a very small amount of pep perceived amount of small amount of pepper and it's really good it's just so smooth it, i think it's a it's a great beer i mean well andy do you think it's because they used some of the the more mild peppers the guajillo and you know some of those peppers that uh, it, it comes out a little more mild that being a milk stout i think really kind of drummed down the the pepper flavor that you would get from it so it took the it's, edge off yeah it took the edge off and it's really just on the light side it's just a just a taste first of all let's let's thank mike for you know all these all these beers he gave us to sample yeah that was a that was <laughs> a funny story guy. we asked him is it okay if we buy some beers and say like, well no we're, we're closed today yeah, we're so closed we can't today, sell those to you but we can give you a whole bunch okay well that's fine <laughs> oh shucks <laughs> no great group of guys but getting back to innocent criminal alex what do you what do you think about it i i think it's just First of all, it's a really good stout. And the milk stout, the base is fantastic. The peppers are there to enhance the stout. And I've had enough stouts where I'm like, that that pepper is just out of place. You know what I mean? It's not as good as the best peppered stout that I've ever had, which is the Abraxas. But, you know, that's lofty, lofty areas to hit. Well, Alex, isn't the Innocent Criminal kind of like the special sauce and the aspect is they rotate out ingredients. Like, it's still the same stout but they 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 rotate in adjuncts like when we were there we try the they had uh, just mashed fresh raspberry puree and to the into the tank the day before yeah so we got to try that one from the bright tank and i mean you've heard it on the interview already and it was just a fantastic experience to see what that beer is tasting like right now as we recorded and it's going to be even more fantastic once it comes off 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 the assembly line in the bottles i I really can't wait for that one to come out you're you're absolutely absolutely right it's it's really cool to see what sort of adjuncts that these folks are adding to these different beers jesus let's talk about the block because i know this is the one that you really
really wanted to try. You're very into the saisons and and the sours right now. So so what are you getting out of this one? I think it's a very good saison. It's a very light. Very has that. It's it's tough to kind of judge them both because we're drinking them side by side. It's just so different. It's very like fruity. Nice little like that bitterness. I don't know. It's 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 a really good saison. Eight percent. What do they call it? Crushable beer. All yeah. these crushable <laughs> beers. Yeah. The so crushable eight percenters. Yeah. No, it's a great saison. I, overall, it's like saison is a style. I think it's really good. Really hard to describe a saison, you know, because it's just not like those barrel aged where you get those like kind of complex little flavors. Well, it's but got it's, it's got that Belgian yeast yeah, for sure going on. Yeah. So you got that little bit of a bite. It's it's got like a nice fresh farmhouse kind of flavor. Yeah. You know, you're getting nice fresh like hay flavors. Fresh is a good way to yeah. describe it. Yeah. For me, that blanc hop kind of kind of lends that that wine esque character to this this saison. I think that's the best way to describe it. It's a wine type of like kind of component to it. Yeah. Are you saying there's like a there's a grape esque to yeah, it? It's, it's, mm-hmm. a, it's, like yeah. a, it's like a grape, almost like a almost like a Chardonnay barrel aged beer. Mm-hmm. It's not. Yeah, it, it hasn't been in a barrel at all, and that's the really fun part about it is you're getting all those all those juicy grape flavors, I guess, with none of the <laughs> none of the actual barrel touching the beer. And I will agree, it is. I mean, eight percent. This is pretty crushable. You'd never know this was eight percent from from tasting it. And I, I think it's time for uh, for the big reveal, the big finale. Uh, let's do the smells like bean spirits. This is one that started it all. This is the original, not the imperial smells like bean spirit, not the vanilla smells like bean spirit, but this is the original bean spirit. So Andy, you're really familiar with the smells like bean spirit the imperial version you've bought a couple of versions of that you've traded for them in in other versions what do you think of the original the uh, the just straight on maple coffee flavors in this guy actually the, the original is what i tried first and what made me fall in love with microphone i had this at a beer share for probably a couple months after it was released ever since then it's i've been stalking anything i can from them pretty much <laughs> with limited trips to chicago to try and find it before they open their their uh, tap room it's what drew like 800 people out to the vanilla bean spirit release uh, and, and really jammed up the works and, and kind of gave them a, a bad name for there for a minute. But I'll say for the release on the actual bean spirit, they, they worked out the kinks. Like Mike said, they talked to the local government. They, they got things worked out. They talked to the local businesses much more smoothly run the second time around. They did the three things a business should. They listened. They didn't react, but they responded. Jesus, first reactions on this guy? If you love coffee, you're going to love this. And they use the i think tugboat coffee um, that's right it's it's just it's just great i mean the the coffee taste and they were actually mike was nice enough to give us a little bag of that coffee which they work closely with tugboat to do this beer and it just the coffee is great so oh, i will say one thing the, for me the, it's the maple syrup the original first <laughs> i love the coffee of it. Yeah. Had, I mean, it was more of a balance between the maple and the coffee this one's more coffee heavy than the yeah. maple the other one was like a perfect balance I, i'd agree really? this one's a little heavier on the coffee but I, that maple is just it's the perfect backbone to this thing it we've we've tried the toppling goliath morning delight right where that's a like yeah. an imperial version of this kind of beer i would say this this rivals that you know as far as the flavors involved if you're and, more of a fan of coffee this is a really good coffee beer i, I think i like my coffee and my beer yeah, yeah. i'm the same page there yeah but this is that's what i like about this and i and i agree with you andy it's really the coffee is more the star here than the maple that's what i like about 
everybody. Well, I'll tell you what. This one's a win. No. <laughs> Either way, yeah, win. it's a win. It's a win. All right, guys. Well, final impressions as we wrap up on this uh, this smells like bean spirit. Hey, I think I think Mike's doing great work down there. He's got a lot, a lot of great collaborations in the pipeline. I mean, one he specifically talked about from you know the Milwaukee area where we're from is he really wanted to do a collaboration with Tim at Black Husky, and he stated that Tim doesn't want to do collaborations, but maybe we can get some audio of Tim's thoughts on this because we're gonna throw it right back to the last episode, episode 28 with Black Husky, released just two weeks ago. So it was interesting that within, I think it was maybe a three or four week time period where we interviewed these two breweries, that yeah, there was that connection. That's yeah. actually kind of funny because we didn't do these sequentially, but it turns out that as they're being released, and here we go, they're talking about possible collaboration between these two. No, it's really cool because Black Husky has been mentioned a couple of times. Uh, Fermentorium also mentioned them, and so yeah, they're getting a they got a big following. It's it's weird to find out that somebody in Chicago microphone thinks that highly of them. So that's that's pretty cool. So it looks like we're out of beer here to to Mike and Kyle and Mike uh, for sitting down with us. It's been an amazing experience down at Microphone Brewing. So for us at the Tap Takeover Podcast, for me, for Alex, Jesus, for Andy, thank you to the Gleasons for our theme music. This has been a solid non-fail podcast. Cheers, boys. Cheers. Cheers. Oh,